Today we'll be uh, taking up a special offering for, the, uh, they call it Busito, a little bus or a van that Brother Perfecto wants to buy to use in the ministry of uh, a church that we call the New uh, Birth Baptist Church. So uh, I know that we're going to reach our goal and perhaps sometime next year, Brother Perfecto will be buying this van for the ministry. Our first ministry was in the city of San Pedro Sula. And Brother Earl Howell, who is now in glory, suggested that we have a team of preacher evangelists song leader and pianist and others to come to uh, San Pedro Sula. We had no place big enough to at least congregate uh, three to 400 people. So we were able to get the municipal uh, building four or five or six nights, I don't remember. We provided uh, buses for the different churches and every night we had a full crowd and there were at least 10 to 15 people making professions of faith uh, those nights. One of the sons of a lady that I call Chavelita made a profession of faith and basically I was shocked. I said, well, he had, he had never shown any interest in the things of the Lord. So I asked him, said, how come you went and made a profession of faith? What got you interested in going and taking this step of faith? At, uh, before the uh, campaign, I was going one day a week and spending some time with his mother she had a small house and a small porch, and we would sit down and read the Bible and talk about God and the New Testament. He told me, which shocked me, he said, I sometime was at home when you came. I was ashamed to come out and join you on the porch. I sat in the living room by the window and listen to all of the things you said, and God spoke to my heart. So God is working many times when we least expect it. Something happened uh, to me this week that I never expected that it would happen. I like to go to the dollar store. And I had to buy something, so I went and bought four articles, and the fella and, and his wife who were in front of me paying the cashier for quite a few items that he had bought. He looked at me and said, I'm going to pay for the thing that you bought. I never say no to a gift. <laughs> never. He paid for it, and uh, this is what he told me. I have had a good day. I don't know what he meant by that, but I had a good day. 
He was happy and he wanted to share his blessing. I think we can be like that man. We've had a good year. We had a good life. And God has blessed us and we want to share his blessing with his people. When the Honduras Brother Fecto gets their bus, I'll let you know and take a picture of what he buys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Walter. He's, and he, they were missionaries for a time. I'm going to have Sue Thompson come, educator. She's also the one who helps with our primary teaching and the bells as well. But. One of the things I'm thankful for is I can walk this year. <laughs> so sometimes I come in here on a walker or a cane, but you all welcome me, and I appreciate that so much. We're going to step back in time to 1945, all right, and the setting is Kentucky. So bear with me as I, uh, I had prayed about what I should do, and so uh, maybe you, you'll understand a little bit um, where I'm coming from as a person. One Sunday morning... In 1945, my sister Nancy and I were sitting on a hillside while our parents were cutting down a tree with a cross saw uh, for firewood. Curiously, I noticed a yellow school bus on the road across the creek from where we lived. Why is the school bus running on Sunday, I asked. My parents explained that it was a church bus picking up people for church. That was the first time I heard the word church as a child. Now, unbeknownst to me, my aunt and my uncle had been praying and inviting um, my parents and our family to church, Alexandria Baptist Church in Alexandria, Kentucky. Since there was a new pastor and an immediate revival was planned, we began attending. My dad got curious. My dad didn't think, my dad didn't think he needed church since he worked hard, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, and he was very, very honest. He was a good man. He was hearing, though, at church how we are all sinners and we need Jesus. So later, one hot uh, autumn day, my mother sent me up to the top of the hill where my dad was hoeing corn with some ice water for my dad who had been uh, hoeing up there. I climbed the hill and began running through the tall corn. I was short, I was small, and the corn was tall. I was looking for him. Suddenly, I came upon him and he was down on his knees praying. He didn't even know I was there. I was so shocked that I set the, the water down and I ran down the hill. I didn't tell anyone what I'd seen. I didn't know what to think. Later, my dad came down with a jar and explained to my mom how he had invited Christ into his life and how when he got up off of his knees, everything looked so different. I mean, there's this soil and when you plant a corn seed, up comes corn. If you plant a peach tree, up comes a peach seed, up comes a peach tree, which is nice and sweet. If you plant an onion, then up comes this um, hot, tangy uh, uh, plant that we eat. So everything had changed for him, the sky, everything. And he couldn't get it off his mind. He couldn't even sleep. And so his God's glorious handwork um, was shown that day. And from that day forward, our family was never the same. We went to church three times a week. My life was changed a short time later as I kept thinking and hearing about heaven and about hell and about how Jesus died for me. One Sunday morning, I went forward. That's how we did it in those days. 
during the invitation hymn, the pastor sat me down on the front row and asked me to read John 3.16. I was almost six. I was still five at the time, but I could read. And so I read it, that verse, while everyone's singing. And then he asked me if I believed it. Well, certainly I believed it. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And so I said yes. And not long after that, my mom, who, had been, who was a Christian, but she didn't have all the opportunities, she rededicated her life to the Lord. And my sister and I were baptized, along with my dad and some others, uh, very soon after that. Now, I was a member of Alexandria Baptist Church, a child of the church which had shaped me for many years to come in more ways than one. We attended, as I said, three times a week, two hours on Sunday morning and two hours on Sunday night, and at least an hour on Wednesday night for prayer meeting. Eventually, um, my dad started teaching adult Sunday school uh, class. He studied really hard. My parents only had an eighth grade education, but they were uh, very good students of the Bible. My mom taught Sunday school, junior church, and she started using the very first flannelograph. So if you know what flannelograph is, it's pictures. And since I'm a visual learner, I have never forgotten those lessons. I even had her flannelograph until a few years ago. I sent it to Mexico for some people down there. My dad was so involved with the scripture that he um, became called to preach uh, like a licensed lay pastor. He did pastor for a little bit, but he was mostly interested in winning people to the Lord. He would preach in the city jail <laughs> in a large nursing uh, rest home. And my sister and I were right there with, along with other people from our church on the sidewalk in front of the courthouse, right across from a saloon. <laughs> and so uh, he, uh, eventually he was even in the mountains of Kentucky uh, preaching revivals. Our church was growing. We held a large tent meeting every night for a month one summer and the licensed preachers of the church took turns preaching every single night. My dad preached the gospel twice a week uh, as they were rotating around. And I just recently learned that my cousin's cousin was saved the night, uh, one of the nights my dad preached and he could tell me the seat that he was sitting in and, and uh, what my dad preached. I just found that out. Many were saved and baptized in a church was planted which still stands today. As I grew up in my church, our pastor's daughter, still a high schooler, gave me piano lessons. My mom paid for them, but eventually organ lessons. And my sister and I sang in the choir. We sang duets together, and we did lots of stuff there. And so uh, my mom kept uh, working, uh, taking in ironings so that we could have piano lessons and also art lessons because there was an artist in our church do you notice I keep saying church? <laughs> so much of my uh, um, equipping has come from the church. We were very involved also in reaching out. We would go on track distribution. All of you who know me know that I'm famous for tracks. <laughs> and that's where I got it, by the way, because we would go out. Um, my cousin and I, uh, who he's a pastor in Puerto Rico now, for over 50 years. We would go out and we were fearless. We would go into the jail all by ourselves. And uh, I went in the jail one night and I, or one afternoon when our parents were in choir practice. It was a different time then, too, a nice, gentler time. 
And I remember going up and uh, saying to this prisoner behind the bars, you know, uh, what if you died today, where would you go? <laughs> kind of sounds like an EE question. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, well, that's the $64,000 question. <laughs> then I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so I just gave him a track. But anyway, we were fearless uh, involving um, with our track distribution, inviting people to church. My dad, when he was saved, he had such a burden for his family. He went and made appointments with his six sisters and sat down with each one of them and explained the gospel. Actually, they thought he was a little off, you know. They uh, hadn't had much religious background, so we don't know if they're in heaven or not, but they can never say that no one sat down and told them about Jesus because he did. And I was usually right there with him. I thank God for my parents and for my church, my first church. I've been in many churches, but that first church was a blessing to me and to my family. We were first generation Christians, my dad and my mom. So missionaries were called from our church. Some that we knew, some, some were my neighbors. And um, one of the men that went to Brazil, John Hatcher, he went to school with my mom. So we knew these missionaries. We prayed for them. We gave to them. We listened to them when they came home. And actually, Faith Baptist Missions was organized in our church and sent out missionaries. And they're still sending out missionaries to Brazil, Peru, Korea, and a few other places. We knew these people. I loved to read, and I didn't have very many books, but our pastor had books put in our church so that we could borrow them. And so I read all the missionary books that I could find there. And um, since then, they have inspired me, and I still read missionary books, and I have a whole collection. If anyone wants to borrow some, you can. Okay, I thank God for my church and all the churches I've been, all these uh, pastors that have had an influence on in my life and whom God caused and to use in my, shape my life. I also thank God for my education. Like I said, my parents only had an eighth grade education. My first grade public school Christian teacher, Miss Can, this is unbelievable, and I found out about it just a few years ago. She was only 18. In Kentucky, there was a lack of teachers. And so her brother said, oh, Norma, if you go to uh, the University of Kentucky for two months, three months, you can teach because they were desperate for teachers. So she went to the University of Kentucky that summer, and she found out everything a first grader should know. And she came back and she taught us. She was young, she was beautiful, she was organized, and she was my favorite teacher and role model for all time. I wanted to be just like her, <laughs> okay? And since I could read, and I was the youngest in my class, I was her reading aide. We did a nativity play, and I was asked to be the announcing angel to the shepherds. Simon, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I will do all the rest of it. But it was a lot for me to memorize. It was my first verses I ever memorized from a public school. My parents helped me, and we were going to church a little bit then. So that had a big impact on my life. Okay. This was the first scripture I ever memorized, and it's hard for me to memorize, actually. But after teaching it for so long, it seems like I know a lot of verses, but it's really hard work. I thank God for my many Christian school teachers that were in the public school because there were many. Some of the pastors, that was their part-time job, 
to teach public school. I thank God for opening up doors of opportunity so that I could graduate from a tuition-free Bible college. It was called Lexington Baptist College. And there, um, we both got degrees in theology and Bible and other things. I thank God for my husband because that's where I met him. And we did singing and all kinds of things in the area. And also, after we married between my junior, uh, my sophomore and junior year, we had a college pastorate in the Kentucky mountains, uh, which we traveled 160 miles every Sunday, kind of like we do now. <laughs> and then later, um, we had a pastorate in Western Ohio and one in Ohio. And then we helped with church planning out here for the last 10 years. I thank God for Sunday schools and Christian schools. In God's providence, I was asked to teach beginners at Alexander Baptist Church when I was only 16. I had 21 three-year-olds <laughs> teaching them. One of them was my sister. I'm the oldest of seven. That beginning has resulted in six decades, 60 years of teaching Sunday school. I'm still doing it, by the way. Um, vacation Bible schools, backyard Bible clubs, child evangelism Bible clubs in public schools, and one that shaped me a lot was over 30 years of teaching God's Word uh, integrated in every um, academic subject in Christian schools uh, and, and homeschools. I did three years of homeschooling here with my grandchildren to several generations. Most of all, I thank God for Jesus and how he saved me and gave me eternal life when I was only almost six years old. I thank God for giving me that experience because when my daughter Shauna came to me one day, I was concerned about my 12-year-old, my 10-year-old son, and I was praying that morning for them. But my daughter Shauna said, Mommy, when are you going to teach Krishna and I how to be Christians? Well, <laughs> that was startling. I sat her on my lap, and I led her to the Lord. And she, I was scared because I wanted to do it right. But it took, right? <laughs> okay, also for the opportunity uh, just a few days later to lead our sons to the Lord. And all three of them were baptized together. And in 2000, I'm almost done. In 2010, after teaching my very first children's church at Vita in Cristo in Glendale, uh, we just moved here. And Gloria, at the end of that uh, lesson, remember Gloria? Prayed to receive Christ there on the spot and that was a big encouragement to me because it was my first time in Arizona to teach and in 2017 right here right back there in the room Gloria Claire Simon Simon says grandma I want to ask Jesus in my life right now so I said okay uh, Gloria Claire what do you think <laughs> and so he prayed and asked Christ into his life and he is on fire for the Lord most of the time so um, <laughs> That was our Sunday night missions class. Jesus has given me many, many opportunities and platforms to lead young people to receive Christ into their lives, something I never dreamed. One time I said to the Lord, if you just let me lead one person to the Lord, I'd be so happy. <laughs> and the first person was Shauna. Okay, by his providence, God has opened doors to train others in evangelism. Uh, my little class, those boys up here, they could show you the wall of sin and they could um, 
show you how to ask Christ into your life. Also, uh, the three crosses. And we, this is what we do. We, we teach them when they're really young how to, they can put their name right there. This is my favorite because this is the verse that I received Christ. For God so loved, for God so loved, put your name there. Uh, Daniel or the Ami or whoever. Put your name there. For God so loved you, you know, that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him. So I love doing that. I love showing them how to lead other people to the Lord. Uh, there's lots of ways to do it but it's simple enough that they can do it. There's so much to thank God for. I thank God for America, where we have freedom of religion and speech, upon which our country was founded, as I just taught them today, 1620, when the pilgrims arrived from England. I thank God for books. I love books. I didn't have many when I was growing up. Um, but thank God we live in America where there's tons of books. I like to read real books about real people. I love and thank God for art. Um, my mom was gifted that way, and uh, she gave me art lessons. So um, I love uh, art, especially Christian art. Music, I love music. <laughs> I'm not a, good, uh, a real good musician, but enough so I can appreciate music. And friends, <laughs> of which you are, and of which God has given me across this land and the world. But I thank God again for working in my life and that his word is true. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on to your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So many times when I was in high school, I would get on my knees by my bed and ask God to guide me and direct me. I'm teaching that to teenagers on Wednesday night. How does God's word, um, thy word have I hid in my heart or... Um, the word of God is a, a lamp and a light unto my path. How does that work out? Well, you learn his word and you claim it and you pray it back to him. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So it's hard. I know because I've been there. <laughs> I had to work a year before I went to college. My parents couldn't afford to send me to college, even though it was tuition free. Okay, I had to work. I worked in a bakery and in a jewelry store and in an insurance company and a potato chip company. <laughs> so, but you, you know, if God is opening up the door for you, he'll give you the way to go and do what he is asking you to do. He's had awesome favor of salvation over our two sons, our two daughters, their spouses. All of our 20 grandchildren are professing Christians and most of them have been baptized except the, the smallest three. I thank God for the spiritual legacy he has so wonderfully given to me and to us, and there's many more to come. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you for your faithfulness. One thing we even see in the different stories is that two individuals, one from Honduras, one from Kentucky, how God works through their lives. And really, he calls us to be faithful. I mean, the faithfulness of that. It isn't us who can save them through others through our um, articulate uh, conversations or arguments, but it is being in the place where God desires, and we are the ones who God uses to allow us to, to share the gospel with others. And even if you give the worst presentation, you know, if you're there and faithful, God works through those. And we see that he is the object of our, of our faith, but also of our worship, the faithfulness, and we'll see in a little bit. This is why Sean said of he'll come 
and uh, just uh, give a, um, I guess a little bit younger perspective, but also just um, to be able to share from uh, his perspective as well. Thank you for him working up in the sound booth. Thank you. Thanks. It's when Pastor asked me to do this, they, and as I was thinking through this, I was reminded of my brother. Uh, he's in Texas, and on his first time that he got up to preach, he said he studied and studied and studied. He wrote down notes after notes after notes. He got up to preach. Within five minutes, he was done, sat down. So um, if I'm that short, I apologize up front. Um, uh, <laughs> so um, when Pastor asked me to do this, uh, he said, focus on, on the blessings in your life. And my, my story isn't all that exciting. Um, it's pretty much tamed by a lot of uh, standards. Uh, when I was a kid, I was born to a Christian family. So um, I had that going for me from, from the start. Um, and I and God knew that I wouldn't really survive in the public system, the public school system. So he, the the parents that he gave me to, were passionate about Christian education. In fact, my dad has or had um, a doctorate in Christian education. So he worked with lots of Christian schools. He worked with a lot of states getting Christian schools to uh, uh, legal and homeschooling legal. Uh, so when I was young, um, I never set foot into a public school until I was in college. In fact, to this day, I still can't determine what a person's grade is by their age or vice versa. So for me, I always had the Christian school experience. That being said, when I was, you know, I don't know as much today as it is back then, but back then we had chapel. Uh, at least once a week, usually on Wednesdays. During one of the chapel services, they had an invitation. And I had raised my hand. My, my teacher had taken me into a side room. And we talked through um, plan of salvation, and I was saved. The um, nothing, you know, gl uh, no church bells rang, nothing, you know, um, outwardly appearing that anything was done, but I knew in my heart it was changed. So she, um, she took me on a tour of the school. We went to each class. I made the public profession to each class. We had applause. That's about it. Then we went back to school, into my class, continued our, our school education. Um, shortly after that, uh, I was baptized in my dad's church. And yes, my dad was a pastor. Um, and we had a small church. Uh, in fact, we didn't have a proper baptistry. We, what we had was a, uh, horse feeding trough. So, um, and it was not a heated, uh, heat feeding trough. So, uh, the most memorable thing I can remember about that day was when, um, I was buried my feet slipped, and the whole church saw my feet, my feet you know, flying out through the air. Um, there was lots of laughter after that. But again, I grew up in in a preacher's kid uh, as a preacher's kid. I grew up in Christian schools. 
I didn't do a lot of uh, going out with friends. I didn't party. I really didn't lead an exciting life through high school, junior high. Um, into college, um, somehow survived that. Um, again, I never really got in much trouble. So uh, that was a blessing in and of itself. Um, I didn't have to learn a lot of lessons back then that um, it just wasn't my personality to do all the partying stuff. Um, after college, I uh, somehow found myself, I grew up in Colorado. Uh, after college, I found myself with a degree and no job. And uh, God had pushed me, and, and I do believe it's God providence because I would never have chosen this as my, on my own. But um, my dad had a friend that worked with him for years in Christian education. He had a small little uh, education company in Illinois, central Illinois. And um, they had, uh, they sold curriculum, they sold a program for learning disabilities. So I went there to work as a um, computer tech. Not my degree, but again, my path is a little different than most people's. And um, this is God's provisioning for me because God knew that I needed to meet my wife, and um, this is the only way that it could happen. Um, so I went out there, and I found out later that after I interviewed that it probably was God's hand, uh, because the night I interviewed at the, I did a phone interview, and they were having a severe tornado warning at the time, and it was all green, and they said that there was like 11 tornado warnings around the, the, the location, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But I made it out here, uh, started working. Um, about a year later is when I met Libby for the first time. And um, knowing my personality and knowing how, I would say, somewhat socially awkwardness comes through, um, somehow uh, I convinced her to marry me after one date. And I believe God knew that if it was any more than that, it derailed the whole plan. So, um, <laughs> and it, yes, it was one date. <laughs> um, God uh, blinded her and distracted her dad. And um, we were married on a day that uh, I would never forget, tax day 2000. So I knew exactly, I know exactly how long we're married at each year. Um, Again, that's God's provisioning for me and, and helping me to remember this stuff. Um, so we went on. Uh, we always wanted to have kids. Didn't have kids for the first couple of years. Uh, we didn't do anything to prevent them. We didn't do anything to encourage them. And we made that commitment before we got married that uh, we wouldn't even do, do uh, check any medical reasons why. If we weren't, we were just whatever God provides, God provides. Turns out that God did not provide any children for a while. And looking back, though it was very hard, though it was very um, troublesome because we both really enjoy kids, um, there's a reason for it. And we're still not quite sure why, but uh, we have seen God's hand in it. Um, 
we have learned to live, uh, live together for the first five years without kids. We went, we rode motorcycles um, all over the Midwest, even in the rain. That was an adventure. Um, uh, and and that's where a lot of blessing for Libby came in because uh, she got more drenched than I did. So you know she has a very good heart. <laughs> um, and and again that that's another example of ways that. Uh, especially with Libby's influence, we've had adventures going throughout our, our whole life and marriages. We're always going, we're always looking for new adventures to, to run. Um, and so we were, after about four years of married life, we decided to move. And we just uh, picked Phoenix because there is some sort of safety net, because Jack was already here for about a year. And I had already done Colorado, and we both really liked this area. So we moved out here. We didn't have a job. We didn't have a house. We didn't have, um, you know, strong uh, reasons to stay. If we were going to move, then was the good time to do it. So we did. We came out here. Um, God provided a, a job um, driving cars, like the limo service. Uh, helped us learn the valley, and and Libby was able to find a, a friend that she is still good friends with today. Um, long story short, uh, shortly after we had arrived and started getting settled, um, God has begun changing the dynamic a little bit. I've always said that uh, children do not a, a family make, but it does help. The um, we had always, again, still wanted those the kids. And we're getting to the point where um, we were basically asking uh, whether, and, uh, and there's a longer version to this, but to sum it up, um, started praying. God had been teaching about prayer, and this is when a big, big majority of my prayer life had changed. And um, basically the prayer was whether if, if, God wants us to have kids, then please let it be done by the end of the year. Um, if not, take away the desire and just let us move on because we just weren't having kids. We had looked into adoption. We had looked into foster care back in Illinois. And for whatever reason, it wasn't working out. The foster licensed people never called us back. The adoption thing looked like a meat market. We just couldn't do it. So this was in 2005. And... Um, like I said, making the story short, um, I had said by the end of the year, give us a direction either way. We found out on the 27th of December of that year that we were pregnant with Graham. So uh, three years later, we had Asher, and that's another story of prayer, but we won't, but I won't go into that one too deeply, other than um, he is an example of prayer as well. Um, and God want, led us to um, go down a different path than where we're used to. Uh, we went down and started taking foster care um, uh, classes. Um, Asher was just a newborn. We got our license, and he, when he was 10 months old, we had our first placement. Um, and she was basically, what, a week old at the time? Um, and we had lots of interesting comments from people not understanding. And, um, but it taught us a lot. It taught us submission to the state, which, um, which is, can be difficult sometimes with their intrusiveness. It taught us 
how close we are all are from being in that system. Making, we're all just one day's circumstances away from making bad mistakes that will affect the rest of our lives and the children below us. Um, and so we need to have compassion for biological parents. We need to have uh, compassion for the kids in, in the care. And we need to understand that um, no matter how much we think we know how to parent kids, they're all different and they all have challenges. So those are the first lessons that we had learned. And we had no idea really what we were getting ourselves into until we were in, in the midst of it. And we kept saying that um, all we're going to do is we're just going to take that next step. We're not going to look beyond the next step, worry about the tomorrow. God, um, this is the step right here. And if um, this is what we know to do, uh, we'll worry about the, the next step after that. So we went through, and um, obviously we've been in the system a while. Um, and over the years in this journey, and, and I, I call it a journey, but I also call it our ministry, because unlike most foster families, um, normally in a foster family, you can get 20 or 30 kids in a month turnover. Easy. In the state of Arizona, the last I heard a couple of years ago, there were 11,000 kids in care. So there's always a need. Um, but our particular group, we didn't have that turnover. We never really had. We had a couple leave, but for the vast majority of our journey, we had the same set of kids the entire time. In fact, one of our kids is our second placement ever, um, nine years ago. We... And we had the same set of six boys for four years before we had another one. Our journey didn't change. So we started looking at it as a, a not just helping kids and families, but as a ministry to train these kids to be able to grow up, go back to their families, go back out into the world, and serve God and minister to them. So that's basically our goals. Um, we, over the years, we have seen God's hand of provision um, through our journey um, God has worked it close uh, so that I can work from um, close by uh, so I'm not traveling a lot I'm not away from the family a lot um, he even allowed me to stop contract work um, and get a full time job when my private insurance wouldn't cover um, the special needs of some of the kids they couldn't get insurance we had to go to a, a, a a full-time position. So he pro provided for that. He provided that I get to work from home. That has been such a big blessing for us uh, because if I'm at home, then that frees up Libby to be able to do the doctor's report and so the therapies, the um, handling the day-to-day -day aspects of the kids' lives. It allows them to, we homeschool every one of them, except for a couple that have to go to public school for developmental um, issues or therapies. Um, other than that, all of them are homeschooled. In fact, um, a couple of them were specifically asked by their tribal um, group to have us homeschool because of the efforts and, and such a good job that Libby in particular has been doing with the kids. So um, God has provided that. We, are, we pretty much do everything as a family. There's very little that we don't do together. Um, and 
that includes taking, uh, being able to take them on trips. We go on a lot of trips, and um, people kind of laugh because of how much we do travel. But they are, um, God has provided a bunch of kids that love to do it. They're very good travelers, and um, they like to explore and, and see the world that God has given them. Um, I don't know how many muse- museums that we have gone through. I, we've, we're up close to, what, 40 national parks now? Is that right? Um, but as with any process and any family, especially a, a family this large, and um, there are highs and there are lows. And we have seen over the years God doing little things that keeps us going. Uh, we like to go out to eat. It can be expensive, um, but it's something that we as a family, it's an escape special treat for us. Um, and honestly, when when uh, restaurants see us coming, unless they know us, they are scared. And, and we can tell the moment we go into that restaurant that they're scared. But after about 10 minutes, everybody calms down and everybody realizes that everything's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> In fact, uh, again, this leads into some of those, um, those, those little signs that God has been supporting us. For quite some time, and it's been years, um, some years are more than others, we were out about just minding our own business, and we have perfect strangers coming up to us and just congratulating us and complimenting us on the behavior of the kids. And again, it's not me, it's mom and the, the behavior of the kids. They have a good heart. And um, so they compliment us. We've, we were out at Desert Ridge and somebody recognized us from Tempe. It was just kind of weird. Um, but we've had people compliment us uh, just walking around the malls. We've had people compliment us in restaurants. We've had people um, buy, us, buy our meals. Um, I don't know how many times that has happened. Um, in fact, we've had a couple occasions where um, some couple or some were upset that they didn't get to our waiter first, and so they ended up buying the kids ice cream or dessert or or something else. Uh, it, it's really kind of strange. To the it, it's almost to the point where some of the people we some are anonymous, some are not, and some of them. I honestly wonder if God has sent an angel to actually do that. I mean, it's just strange how some of this works out, even to the point where um, we've been on occasions where we've been trying to find a, we've been like in San Diego or another um, state even, and we're trying to find a restaurant to go, and nobody's open. The first choice, nobody's open. The second choice, well, they were too scared, didn't want to take us. Third choice, we're getting frustrated, didn't know what to do. We end up being in, uh, uh, they completely empty. We go in there and somebody pays for our lunch. I mean, it, it's just little things like that. Just um, we see God's hand um, providing for our family. Um, it's not something that we actively seek out. It's just something that he does that we know is, is only as something God can do. Um, In Psalms 127, 3 through 5, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. Obviously, I've got a fairly big quiver. Um, 
I don't know why God has put us on this journey. I mean, it, we haven't done anything, I would say, special. Um, the only thing that I can think of, and looking back and seeing his, the, the different points where you can clearly see God's hand, and only he could have done it. Um, there's many points that I just skipped over just due to time. Um, but when I look back, there's, a, there's two points that... Um, really jumps out at me. One is nepotism is great. I mean, you know, God, uh, I am God's children. He wants to bless me in that way. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, the second is, is um, God's grace is sufficient for me, and his strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. Thank you. Thank you, Sean, and thank you to each one, because um, there is a, a level of transparency they're allowing um, us to see into their lives of how God has worked through. And it does take two. It's, it's Libby, you know, she works hard as well, but it's also Sean both being there, going through, encouraging one another. So if, you're go if you want to go out to eat and borrow some kids and get your meal free, you can, you know. But I, I don't know if you have to keep them as well behaved as they do. So that would probably be the one stick thing. Just in a moment, just if you will, take, stand up if you would. We're going to open up to Psalm 100. I promise we'll be brief. Just Psalm 100, allow me to read Psalm 100. You can, just if you want to stand, you don't have to turn there. But allow me to read Psalm 100, which says, Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are his, his people the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for Yahweh is good and his love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. You may be seated. Just in the, in the brief time, just want to express and understand that as we look at the psalm, there's seven imperatives. And even as you heard these testimonies, hopefully you understand that God is the object of our worship. He can choose whatever means he desires, and he has. If you think about it, think about each of us, the different backgrounds, where we come from, the journeys we've gone through. One who is in South America, another who is in Kentucky, another individual who is in a, in a Christian school. But we all have different backgrounds, but God knows each of us and his divine plan and providence. He knows what is required of us because he created us. And as we go through, we understand that he also desires that we know him and worship him. And as we look at the psalm, there's two sets of imperatives. In verse 1 through 3, first of all, it's a personal call to worship. Make a joyful noise. Now, someone said, just sing to the Lord. Some people don't like to sing. That's okay. Some people don't sing well. You know, move your lips, sing in the shower. But, you know, don't sing in the choir because, you know, some people, you know, if you sing, it'll, it'll cause people to run away. You know, we, we've learned that. But simply make a joyful noise. But in your own personal worship, understand that you can sing out to God. And when you're alone, sing out. But make the joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. There's some who serve the Lord out of they feel compelled because they have to. But when you serve with gladness, there's a joyfulness. You see how God works through the good things to the bad things. But be faithful. And serve with gladness, understanding and knowing that God is the one that you serve. When you know who God is and you serve him out of gladness, it's because of who he is. Not because of what happens to us. Sometimes we serve and do things because of compensation, what we'll get. 
But when we serve the Lord, no matter what, there's a gladness because guess what? I didn't fail. God permitted it to occur. It changes our perspective. And when joyfulness, when things happen, oh, you know what? It didn't depend upon us. We may have talents and ability, but God is the one who worked through us to accomplish. And he is the one who's glorified. Come before his presence with singing. There it is again. We are to have a joyfulness, a tune. And know that the Lord, he is God. He is the one who has made us. And just briefly in Hosea 4, let me just turn there briefly. In Hosea 4, 1 through 4. Sorry, I should have had it ready. Hosea 4, 1 through 4, it states and says, Hear the word of the Lord, people of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth, no faithful love, and no knowledge of God in the land. Cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery are rampant. One act of bloodshed follows another. For this reason the land mourns, and everyone who lives... In it languishes, along with the wild animals and the birds of the sky, even the fish of the sea disappear. But let no one dispute, let no one argue, for my case is against you priests. You, you will stumble by day, the prophet will also stumble um, with you by night, and I will destroy. It goes on, and the whole point of that text is talking about, is there are those who are talking about God, who believe in God, and and knowing that God is who he says he is. The problem is there's some people who believe there's a God, that God exists, but it doesn't affect their life. And what I mean that, by that is that there should be no difference in our lives as believers between the theoretical knowledge of God and the practical knowledge of God. Sometimes God allows bad things to happen to our lives. Sometimes there's sicknesses and illnesses. And then all of a sudden we're anxious, we're, we are fearful, and we wonder, God, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. If today were our last day on this earth, you know, we would be sad because of the people we would miss. But honestly, with the perspective of God, if he's in control, then guess what? God, so be it. And we have to understand that this is a plan of God in my life. Now, I'm not saying against modern medicine. We use those because God has given to us. There's some who say, well, I'm not going to use anything because today's my last day. But yet, if you have a cold, take some medicine. You have a headache. God has used that. But there's some who, by every means, you know, they want to live so badly, but they don't understand where they're going. That if we, are, as a believer, if you are a believer this morning, that you know who Jesus Christ is, that there's a plan that's even greater than this earth in heaven with him. And the last thing, understand that the theoretical nods make a joyful noise. It is he who has made us, not ourselves. We have no part in the creation state of being. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then the second set of imperatives simply say, come into his gates with thanksgiving, with literally testimony. Speak about the things that God is doing. Communicate, because it's a reminder. That's why we have pictures. You know, digital pictures are good, but sometimes they're on our phone, or, you know, they're off and we don't see them. But take out some of those old photos you have. You look at that. Oh, do you remember when? You start to reminisce. You start to think about what took place at a time prior. And it's a, it's a visual reminder. We need those. We need reminders. Do you remember when this took place and what happened here? And that testimony of, of what God has done. Not what we have done, but what God has done. Come into his courts with praise. Praise. God, you are. Or God, you have done this. Testify to his name. Be thankful. Tell others what you have from God. Bless his name. God is the one who's given this to me. 
We might have strength. We might have finances. We might have resources. But God is the one who gives it to us. And then the last thing, the reason is, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. There is no end. His truth endures to all generation. And just closing in this, what is that truth? It says, his truth endures to all generations. The fact, and remember for Israel, he said to them that God is faithful and will endure throughout generations. Whether you're a first, second, third, whatever generation, maybe, you know, you don't know Christ. But the fact is that it can begin with you, but it shouldn't end with you. And to pass upon that legacy and to be grateful for those before who shared with you about what it means to follow after Christ, to know who God is. It may not end with us. You know, there's a lot that's going on in this world to be fearful of. We think, boy, this world is, is going to be challenging, our society, our families. But understand that the God is faithful and will endure throughout generations. Maybe we're unfaithful, but guess what? He'll carry it on through another individual. As we think about the story of Esther, Mordecai asked it, well, if you don't do it, maybe God hasn't called you. We'll do it through another means. But you're in that position for God to honor and glorify, be honored and glorified through you. Will you accept the challenge? So we must worship only God because he is who he said he is. He is the one true God, a call to worship. God is the object of our worship. And as we think about thanksgiving, may we truly verbalize it with our mouths, to others with our lives and live in such a way that people know that that person worship and honors God. Shall we pray? Everyone's there, and so you can come decorate, but it's a kind of a fun time. Uh, and I was looking through there, and Jennifer, we don't even have pictures of you in there, but she, Michael and Jennifer were helping in there. I think the back of you in one of them. You got out of those pictures. But uh, we had a great time, different gifts. Uh, you'll see some of those. Keep going, two seconds, or maybe so going through. So I had a great meal. And then also, there, I got another Christmas quiz for you guys. So make sure you buff up on your um, Christmas uh, intellect. Uh, just some of the trivia there. Always fun. So there's a sign-up sheet in the back. There's a snowman. I'm sorry, I might be in the way. I always forget that. There's a toilet mug. You know, can't have a, a good... Um, and you know, you could wrap that up, bring it back if you want. But bring a creative thing. Their only rules are you just bring it from the house. Keep going. So different things. They're creative wrappings. A lot of different things, so, but I just have that, and so that's always a fun time as a church family. You can come and participate in that, so. All right, I think that's the last one, the elf. I mean, my daughter. <clears throat> and then uh, just, a, just a few things, Christmas bells special. I'm not sure if we're going to do caroling. I have to check with them in our bulletins, but uh, we have that coming up. Um, if you would come, and uh, just going to invite the ushers, if you would come forward for morning offering, don't forget to mark that on your um, on your checks, or if you give online, digital, we have gracebaptistscottsdale.com, and you can do that too. But Michael Ronning, if you would ask the Lord's blessing. Um, he's got grateful too, because he couldn't get a deer this year, but his daughter got it in 10 minutes, so I just want to share that, and that thing is not a deer. Those are Back east, you know the deer, they have little prongs like this. Oh, that's a buck. This thing has an elk rack. I mean, this deer. So, but uh, if you would ask the Lord's blessing on the offering this morning. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for this church. We just ask your blessing now on this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.